welcome to Talking at No One, the show where I, Aloni, hang out by myself, because I need to write this right now. Today I'm working on an Avatar sequel. Recently, I watched through all of Avatar because it was number one on Netflix forever, and it went all the way to 10, and then stayed there for a long time. And then Korra came back and went to number one and stayed there for a while. And I rewatched Korra for like the fourth time, and I still like it, even though a lot of people didn't like it when it first came out. And I was thinking, what if I made another one? I like doing these hypothetical movie ideas, TV show ideas or whatever. Why don't I try taking a crack at the Avatar universe and see what I could come up with? And I've been thinking about it a lot for way too many days. And I have way too many ideas. So I just thought I'd pull the fucking trigger and talk with you guys about this. So I need a place to binge these ideas down and just fucking let them out. So... Here's my few ideas I've had. Let's start with the concept. So, initially, I wanted to do a prequel. Because it's usually the easiest thing to do with the content. Because you don't have to worry about what other people made. You just have to worry about what they said about the past. It's usually the easiest way to reboot something. But, they already did a prequel. There's two books about Kyoshi. And they actually look pretty good. Like, I went into the wiki and was reading sort of the plot synopsis. And holy shit, they get good. Actually, I'm going to name one of my characters after one of them. Or at least inspired by one of them. Because it was such a cool concept they came up with. So, I wanted to do a prequel, but they've kind of already done that. And I would say they should just adapt those books into a TV show. But what else can you do other than a prequel? Well, you can do a sequel, which is the first idea I want to talk about. It might be this whole episode, or it might be um, half an episode. I'm not really sure yet. What would a sequel to Avatar be, for real? Because the concept of Avatar is cool, but with Korra, they kind of basically said there's no more after this. They set up a really bright and shining new world and took a lot of the things away that were limiting in the scripting for Avatar. And they've opened it up completely freely to the point where you don't know what you could do. There's so much you can do. So I'm just going to pull the trigger on a couple of things. My first thought was... I want to do it modern day, because the first Avatar was sort of like, I wouldn't say medieval, what was it, it was more in between feudal and non-feudal, it was kind of in its own kind of steampunky time, because there's submarines, but there's no guns, it's, it's a world where you have bending, so there's less weapons technology and more like actual veh- vehicular technology, like they have hot air balloons and um, submarines that they're sort of inventing, and It's got that old school vibe, but it's not modern, at least. It's kind of timeless. And then Korra, they were like, all right, well, let's skip ahead 60 years. What would be there? And they were like, well, radio and cars, and let's do like a 1930s vibe. So there's sports and movies are getting invented, but nothing close to what we have today. So if Korra lives for 60 years, like Aang did, and we say that either she got killed or she died early because of her poisoning... Um, or the fact that she's no longer in the original Avatar cycle. We could basically say that she died, you know, about 60 years later. So 60 years after the 30s, let's see, that would be the 90s. Um, And Avatar doesn't really fit our timescape. You could say she lived to 70 or 80. So it would basically be modern day if you were going to do another Avatar. Um, The only other idea I had was to do post-apocalyptic Avatar, which I'm still going to try to figure out, but I have a lot of ideas for modern Avatar, so I thought I'd say fuck it and do that. So my thought was, if 
it's in the modern day. What do we have to play with with that? So in at the end of Korra, if you haven't seen it, a lot of things change that you might have forgotten, even if you have seen it. I forgot a lot of stuff. First, they got rid of the Avatar cycle. She basically loses all of her past lives and cannot connect to them. And she gets the cycle again, but now it's supposedly a new cycle. But she doesn't even know if there's going to be another Avatar after her. And I did play with the idea of maybe there not even being one. But the show is called Avatar, so you have to have one. But the idea that she thinks that there isn't going to be another Avatar and that the Avatar can't connect to their past lives anymore means that there's no guidance anymore. And the idea that the Avatar could be anyone, and if people believe that there isn't going to be another Avatar, and it's been, you know, 10, 15 years, then maybe people just think there isn't one. Also, the world doesn't really need an Avatar when there's no war. At the end of Korra, there was a big fascist dictator, and they kind of had like a baby version of World War II where they invented sort of a magic nuke and they did sort of like baby's first world war ii where it didn't get super bad but there was some bad stuff it was all kind of hidden away so they kind of dipped their toes in that and they kind of set up the idea that the earth king at the end basically created a republic free states so the earth kingdom is no longer a dictatorship and it no longer really fits the whole uh, like the monarchy thing they had. It doesn't really fit the whole like China surveillance theme that they had going on. And if this character is an earthbender, because that's who's next in the cycle would be a male earthbender because it it swaps gender every time and then it changes based on a cycle that's very predictive. Now you could say it could be whatever the fuck you want now, but I'm going to just go with the logic and say that it's a male earthbender. So we got a male earthbender in the modern day in the Earth Kingdom after it's no longer a kingdom. It's now the Earth Republic. It's the free state of Yai or some shit. It's just a random state. And I really liked that theme that they had with Amon and Korra, where the equalist party, the whole idea that the non-benders would be pissed, the regular benders get special treatment, that they have these epic powers and they'd be very jealous of that. And I started thinking about technology and how they have cars, they have these taser things, they got fucking mechs. They never built guns because they never needed to. They have cannons that firebenders use. They even have anti-air cannons that the firebenders use. But they never built guns because it wasn't necessary. Welcome but my thought was, no show where if technology kept moving, there had to have been a non-bender who, invent, who right wanted now. the powers of a bender. So he built technology to sort of emulate it, right? So that's what the taser was. It was like, ooh, you can have the power of a chi blocker, right? In Korra, they have these hand tasers that are designed to give you the power of any chi blocker to take away the powers of a bender. And it's basically just a taser. So I was thinking, I was like, what if the opposite happened? What if they made guns because they wanted to be firebenders? They made flamethrowers and torches. Makes you a lot more like a firebender, doesn't it? Or I don't know what the fire hoses for non-benders to use. You know, they have plumbing because not everybody's a waterbender. And then earthbenders, to emulate them, you'd have to be like, you'd have to have explosives to manipulate rock that way. But my thought was like, they would have invented modern weapons by this point. Technology moves ever forward. So there's no way they wouldn't have these things, especially since now that non-benders have to fight spirits all the time because spirits exist in their world now. So my thought was, well, if weapons exist, if there's like guns and stuff, then these weapons need to be regulated because now that there's more cities existing and there was so much crime and insanity in the Earth Kingdom, it would make sense that if every state has its own independent police forces and there's a united military, that there would be provisions on weapons. 
So my thought was, what if... So non-benders now can't use weapons to defend themselves against benders. So what would their response be politically? Well, the idea would be, what if we prohibit bending? Because if anybody can bend willy-nilly, there's so much crime and there's gangs you know they had the tri the triple threat triad and now they have four threat because there's airbenders now that can literally suffocate you and not every airbender is a nomad like in Korra there's airbenders that do all kinds of things now they're just their own people with powers they're just like extra special in this world there's got to be all kinds of shit now so my thought was okay weapons are illegal but also bending is prohibited so in certain areas you can't bend and only police can bend. And as far as all the governments are concerned, there is no more Avatar now. They don't want the political power that the Avatar can have anymore. So the concept is, is just that there's no more Avatar. So in a society that is modern, where bending is prohibited and it becomes more like modern day, how do we play with the idea of the whole Avatar story, which is you can, pow you can use all four elements, but you need to learn how to use them. If bending is so much rarer and less trained, then the avatar would suck and be useless. So my thought was, what if you had to hide being the avatar? What if being the avatar wasn't a good thing like it is in the other ones? What if it didn't have a responsibility anymore? What if the avatar was just some dude? So then I came up with the really stupid idea of why would a bunch of teenagers slash 20-somethings, because I want to aim this one... Since the first one was aimed at kids, the second one was aimed at teenagers, the third one should be aimed at 20-somethings, and then the fourth one should be aimed at adults. So if the third one is modern day, and we're talking about high-tension politics between benders and non-benders, sort of a bipartisan thing going on, um, and the idea of like prohibiting bending at modern day, what could we do that's interesting with that, that would make 20-somethings travel across the country to learn bending. And then it hit me. The dumbest idea I've probably ever had. What if they were a rock band? Just think about it for a second, because in the first Avatar, they were just a bunch of kids who could bend, and they were teaching the Avatar, and that was all we needed, because it was a big epic adventure. In Korra, they were a pro-bending team that she joined, and they just became her friends because she's super fucking powerful, and she wanted a fan of them, so she became their friend. So what is the equivalent here? What can we do to build the new team avatar in this, like, pre-revolution, like, like, very constrictive society? My thought was, well, who fights against, like, the corruption and the prohibition of bending? How do you fight that in the modern day? And my thought was, do it by winning the hearts and minds of the people. And I also kind of brings me back to that whole 90s vibe. So my thought was, what if it was like, like there was a band of benders that were like punk rock and like, you know, not anarchists, but like, you know, free bending kind of people. And one of them ended up being the Avatar. What would that story be? I feel like that would be a very interesting story. So I came up with the concept. I know I'm like 15 minutes in talking about this, but the concept is Avatar on tour. What if the Avatar was in a rock band? So you said it in the modern day version of that world. Um, the Avatar is an earthbender. I came up with a couple of names here. So let's, that's the concept is the Avatar is a normal kid, maybe slightly poorer, 
on tour with his brother and his friends in a band, going across the country secretly learning bending and learning about the problems in society that he needs to then fix. And then you could go into a second season where the world now knows he's the Avatar, and I have a really cool idea about a place called Spirit City, which is in the in the place between those three spirit portals in the spirit world. Um, would be a city, obviously. Like, no reason you wouldn't build a city there, because you have people traveling between them all the time. So, that would be a city, and since there's movies now, and there's, like, fame, what's the most interesting place to shoot movies? Well, it would be the spirit world. Like, it'd be the cheapest, you could do all kinds of cool shit, you could teleport across it with spirit powers. So, Spirit City is, like, the, the L.A., of the Avatar world. So my thought was season two could be like, they made it. And now he's the Avatar. He's on magazines and shit. He's super cool. And he, he's trying to learn all these bending powers now. And the cat's out of the bag. And then him sort of breaking out to go on his own to be the real Avatar. And then season three, you could do like some crime fighting stuff and like him slowly mastering his bending and like really trying to like fight for the people. And then season four, you could do like full on revolution where all the things we've been setting up in his travels are all about this like over domineering control over society. You could even play with the idea that since blood, since the world now knows that bloodbending can be done whenever and that it takes away bending, I feel like the militaries would train people better to bloodbend. Not just bloodbend, but just to take powers away bending. Because I feel like that would be useful in the government's eyes, especially in the idea of prohibiting bending. If you break the rules, three strikes, your bending's gone. I think that'd be really cool. So let's move on to the characters. So I have a couple of ideas for the characters. I was like, all right, let's go through a band. Now this may be changed because Avatar is set in an all Asian universe. And I don't exactly know what the instruments in Asian bands are that often. Like I know I, I'm so set on the drummer, guitarist, bassist, singer vibe. But I know I've listened to a little bit of, like, Korean metal, and they have similar enough instruments. Uh, I really like the Iru. I think it's a really cool instrument. But my point is, is that I'm just going to say guitar, drums, uh, singing, and bass, but there are different equivalents in Asian culture that you would then research to get appropriate and proper in this story. Because... Avatar has always been very well done with that kind of stuff because the whole idea of the show was basing a world with all these different cultures and it's Avatar is kind of a world without white people if you really think about it. It's like an Asian only world which is weird but whatever it, everybody loves Avatar so um but you know the whole idea was about how martial arts some martial arts are based on different elements so the idea was what if that actually changed the elements that was the original idea. Anyway, back to what I was saying. That was a whole side tangent. So let's talk about the characters, right? So I have different members of the band. These are the ones I've come up with. So our main character's name is Yan. I got it from the character from the Kyoshi books, who's an earthbender, who thought he was the Avatar. Uh, and he there's a sketch of him, and I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking of for what the person looks like. That's sort of his vibe. I know that the next Avatar usually looks like someone the previous Avatar cared about. We don't know Korra's whole life. It was hard for me to figure out which one of her male friends would be it, if any. Like, you can't say it's Bolin. I don't know. But it doesn't have to be someone that looked like her because the cycles change and everything's different. He's just kind of a generic anime-looking dude. But his name's Jan, and he's an earthbender, and I would make him the lead guitarist. His basic character is that he's excited, outspoken. He grew up with not that much money. 
maybe we can set up some stuff where like he was from Bossing Say or something, or maybe just some small village in the Earth Kingdom. I like the idea of the whole orphan thing they did in Korra, so I kind of want to play with that more. So he's poor on the streets kind of kid. This is the first Avatar where they weren't brought up to be the Avatar, so I want them to be, you know, a normal person in this world. So I was thinking moving with different people. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I want to simplify it. Fuck it. I'm going to pull the trigger yet again. Okay, he was in group homes. He didn't know his parents. And uh, that's why he doesn't know he's the avatar because in all the other stories it was always the people in charge of the kid that realized they were the avatar. But since he got lost in the system, bam, no more avatar, right? He doesn't know he's the avatar because you don't always know. You don't immediately start bending all the elements. Aang barely did. And since bending isn't even used that often, of course he wouldn't know that he can do all four elements. He barely knows how to earthbend. One thing that's always bothered me about Avatar is that they're like immediately martial artists. And I get it that like they've been training on their own and stuff, and Katara wasn't all that great. Aang was trained by monks, so he's like super good. But you never get like, they suck at it. You never get a bender that's just like, oh, I'm terrible at bending. I mean, you kind of get that when the airbenders were going around because they got it out of nowhere. But I like the idea of, like, since bending is so, like, prohibited now, people aren't that good at it anymore. So, yeah, his name's Jan. He's an earthbender. He went from home to home, and he knows how to earthbend, and he's done it a couple of times in, outside of where he's allowed to do it. And he's also kind of broken the rules a couple of times. But he's always standing up for the little guy. Classic hero character. Then we got my favorite character that I've come up with which is Seko. I got all these names from uh, Avatar Name Generator. There's different ones for each group, too. So it's actually a firebender name, but he is an airbender because I really wanted to do a story about an airbender who wasn't spiritual, who wasn't brought up in all that. And they did that with the one kid in Korra, but I want to do it again. But this idea was, what if there was an airbender raised by firebenders? Everybody's always talking about Ooh, what other kinds of bending is there, right? Like, ooh, there's metal bending. That's a type of earth bending, or there's blood bending. But air bending, it's like, oh, you can fly and you can do spirit stuff. But I'm like, you know what? Nobody ever did steam. I always remembered when when Iroh did the whole dragon breath thing and was like talking about controlling your breath and your inner fire. What if an airbender did that? What if an airbender was taught the the methods of a firebender? So my thought was, he's an airbender whose dad owns a firebending dojo. Because there's still dojos, there's martial arts now. But I like the idea that like bending is, is prohibited and stuff, but it can be used for self-defense, it can be used for different jobs, it can be used if you're a soldier or a cop. Like, it still exists. You can't get rid of it. But it's not allowed in public, you can't use it on other people unless they use it on you first, and there's sort of a divide between the two sides of bending and non-bending. Like a political divide between the two. So, the idea of an airbender who was raised in a firebender dojo is pretty fucking great. And considering that airbenders just came into existence now, I like the idea that airbenders aren't even born from other airbenders. Sometimes just people have kids, they're just airbenders now sometimes. Also, it plays with the whole, I really like it metaphorically for like being born different, is that sometimes a kid just has airbending now when they're born. Because airbending was destroyed, now that the spirit realm has sort of brought it back, you're just born an airbender now. You don't need to be genetically related to your former airbending parents. You're just, there will always be airbenders now. Sort of like a spiritual blowback from the idea that they tried to get rid of it, but now it will never be gone. So the idea that his parents are firebenders and he's a fucking airbender and they don't like that is pretty great. But also the idea that he doesn't just use wind, he uses like steam. 
And like, he's not just blasting air. He's using air like it's fire. I think this is a really cool concept. And visually, that would look really cool. So he's more of a steam bender than an airbender. So next character on the list, we got Yana, the firebending drummer girl. So I wanted a girl on the team. I didn't want to just do all dudes. Would seem stupid to do that. Girl drummers are always cool. I like the idea of a firebender. I just, I think it's cool to have a grunge firebender chick. So she's got like piercings and tattoos and she uses fire she's kind of a pyromaniac but not all that much and you know more than the average firebender and she's got a bit of a temper and she's real good on them drums she's got a hot fiery temper i just think that would be a cool character to sort of break up the divide because you got yan and his whole thing is that he's like free loving like you know stand up for the little guy like guitarist guy then you got Seko. he doesn't airbend unless he has to because his airbending is dangerous it can burn people almost because it's so hot with the steam and he controls his emotions very well so then you would have the opposite of that being you know the hot explosive temper girl then my other one was talk who's the bassist they're a waterbender at first i was thinking like every time we see a male waterbender they're always like this buff dude like they're always like this this like wild like fighter man they always got like this fucking you know what i'm talking about you know what all the waterbender men look like in avatar they're always just like this buff dude i don't know that was my original thought but now i'm like maybe i want something different well you got the hot-headed girl maybe just do the opposite do a super chill guy a go with the flow kind of guy remember that line go with the flow kind of avatar just like that just like a, a sort of do the surfer dude thing again like he's the surfer dude and he plays bass that makes perfect sense to me. Part of me was thinking like, oh, it's another dude or whatever. But then I was like, you know, there's never any non-binary characters and stuff. And I don't even care about the whole inclusion stuff. But my thought was like, you could just have an androgynous character. They're, they're so rare nowadays. Like it happens sometimes, but like just have an androgynous character and never establish what gender they are. I think that's a great thing. And it's just, it's talk. Talk is the, the, ba the, the basis. And then to have another girl on the team, because you don't want to do, you know, fucking stacked or anything. Um, I want to do Kimmy, I call her. And she's a non-bender, because you always got to have one person that doesn't bend. Um, and I think she would be the mom of the group. She would be the manager. Less like Katara, like friendly mom, and more like pestery, like receptionist. The idea that this, she's the one who has money riding on this. Because if you have a band, you got to have somebody that keeps people on track. And the idea of having someone that's just like ready to go is pretty good. And then the last character I have written down is Cho, the bus driver, and roadie. So it's a band. You got to have a roadie or else there's no band. And the idea of having like a wise, quiet, older dude hanging out, um, driving the bus, I think kind of works. Having like an irresponsible, like 30-year-old with all these 25-year-olds or whatever, 20-somethings um, could work. Someone who knows the area and stuff. So you could have like him be like the guide. He's like the Iroh, but not in like a super spiritual or anything just in a guy who knows places and knows people so that's the crew you would have that that is the new the new team avatar is you get the two mentors you have the manager who's like real controlling and then you have the bus driver who you know what thinking about it he could be your husband i kind of like the idea of like an old hippie couple where like one of them is the bus driver and the other one is like somebody's aunt and they're the ones driving them around. I think that would be pretty fun. Because it's Avatar still. It can't be like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's not why I picked a band. I picked a band because I wanted a team that's already together, that already know each other, 
where we have tension that can play with each other that allows them to move from place to place. And I just think a band is perfect for that. Also, the idea that they could blow up and become super famous because he's the Avatar also kind of plays into the whole modern vibe. Because I definitely want to have the internet in this sort of thing, like the Varric net or whatever. And the idea that there's this like social media kind of stuff in it, but it's not super big. It's just like in the second season, it would be bigger, but they're like rock stars and stuff. I think could be pretty cool. So those are the characters, right? As for villains, the problem with this story so far is that we have a really good base of like, okay, we got a band, they travel the country, there's civil unrest going on, there's, you know, the governments prohibiting bending and sort of tensions between non-benders and benders. And the Earth Kingdom is a bunch of states that are all different from one another. The problem with that is, where is the inherent conflict in this story? I guess the inherent conflict is that bending isn't exactly... See, when I'm, when I'm saying that bending isn't illegal, hmm, I don't know, maybe being the Avatar is. The idea that at the beginning of the story, Jan does something that causes people to come after them kind of works. Like, um, okay, there's a, so they're about to go on tour. And he, he bends for the first time. He, he firebends or something. Also, I love the idea. I just realized that since his brother is an airbender who learned how to firebend, he can teach him how to firebend as an airbender. And the idea that he needs to learn how to actually airbend. Because, you know, he learned how to firebend airbend. But he needs to learn the real way. Could be cool. I definitely want to start with, as you got the air, fire, and earth. I want to get water out of it as much as possible. Because water, it's not that I don't like water bending. It's that water bending is always, like, the go-to. In the original Avatar, Katara is a waterbender. And she's, like, super into that. And it's all, it's very heavily about that because book one is water. And then in Korra, she starts out as she's a waterbender. And, like, three of the main plots are about the water tribe. And it's like, yeah, I like the water tribe. But there's more in this world. They don't even go to the Fire Nation in Korra. And they barely go to it in Avatar. They only have like half a season. Well, I guess they, yeah, they have about half a season where they're actually hanging out in the Fire Nation. Like the whole third season is about that. But most of it is spent like planning attacks and doing other stuff. And they're like, there's not a lot of time where they're just like in Firebender territory. And even in this, we're starting in the Earth Kingdom. And then we're going to the Spirit thing. So we're not even doing the Fire Kingdom again. What the hell? I guess the Fire Nation, it doesn't have a lot going on story-wise anymore. Because now they're just like, we don't like war. We're good now. We're reformed. We're just Japan. Oh, man. I just realized that season two, they definitely have to go to, like, on tour there. Or season three or whatever. Like, the idea of, like, going to Japan, their equivalent to Japan. Like, a big touristy city. Because that's what happened to Japan after World War II. After they stopped fighting, they became more economic and tourist-driven. So, like the fire nation would do the same thing they're all about their education and and tourism like dragons and shit you know rehabilitating dragons and going to the zoo where there's dragons and shit that could be cool um but yeah i'm getting off track again okay i got sort of a concept and and some characters here let's just go through the list here so where do we start that's the most important thing in the story so in the initial story i think we should start in his in their everyday life So they're a group of friends, they have band practice, and they are planning on going on tour soon. They all have parents, and they're like early 20s, about to leave home for the first time, like right before college time. And it's like, alright, we've been doing good, we've been getting gigs, now we're gonna go on tour. Before we all decide what we're gonna do with the rest of our lives. And then you can play with the interpersonal stories with each of them. Like, um, maybe, um... Tak has 
they're so chill because at home they're not. They have a lot of shit to deal with at home, and the only thing that makes them feel good is the is the surfing and the and the chilling and the ba- bass playing. That their parents are actually really constrictive, and uh, they want them to move back to the North Tribe, to one of the Water Tribes. Like they want to go there um, because they have family up there, and that's what the parents want. But they want to, you know, just chill and surf and travel the world. Maybe that could work. I don't know. The Firebender girl. I feel like her parents would be really chill. Like, it's going to be the exact opposite. Like, they're, like, super free, fun-loving, and she's just angry out of spite. Like, it's all angst. It's not real anger. And then um, that way you could have, you know, the domineering parents of, like, Seko, and that's why Seko's actually really the real angry one. Um, and I like Jan's parents are just being nice. Uh, oh, wait, no. He doesn't have parents. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. Do I need him to be pushed around the system because mm. they already did the whole orphan stuff like twice already and I like that as a start of a story but like I totally forgot that I wanted to do more like the avatar having a fan but no because the reason they're the avatar is because they don't know all right here's what I'm gonna say I figured it out Jan is raised by Seko's parents so Seko is their adoptive brother. That way you can do the whole dojo being their home. So they live at a dojo. Tak has rich parents that want to go to like the waterbending navy and you know be more like their family back in the tribe. And um, Yana, uh, her parents are really really nice. I like the idea that they'd be like super chill people. And then I think I like the idea of Kimi and Cho being their aunt and uncle. Like, they're the super chill family members of the firebending parents. You know what? Thinking about it, why does it have to be set in the Earth Kingdom? Why can't it be in the Fire Nation? Like, if you're going to go on tour, like, why not really go on tour? Like, full international. Like, they took a a boat or a plane, and um, now they're in the Earth Kingdom, and they have to explore the Earth Kingdom. You know what? That might have solved a lot of it. That works even more because him and his brother both feel like outcasts because he's an earthbender, his brother is an airbender, and they both live in the Fire Nation. And the idea that, like, duels are not as cool and that you can... Firebending can only be done in very specific areas, but then when you go to the Earth Kingdom, it's, like, super not allowed. Like, it doesn't have to be worldwide that bending is prohibited. It's just in the Earth Kingdom, bending is not cool. The only people who are allowed to bend are military and, like, government people. Like, policemen. They don't even have policemen. They just have martial law, I think, could be cool. Maybe it's different per state. You can play with the, the bending prohibition shit per state. Yeah, okay. We're getting it. Just because he's an earthbender doesn't mean he has to be from the Earth Nation. Okay. Holy shit. I think we, I think we figured it out. That took way too long. I'm going to have to cut so much of that. Okay, so... In the Fire Nation, in a small little village, lives a earthbender named Jan and his brother, an airbender named Seko, his adoptive brother. The two of them are raised in a firebending dojo. They have two friends that they met while at school, um, Jana, who's a firebender, and Tak, who's a waterbending foreign exchange student. There you go. His parents are super rich and from the Southern Water Tribe, and he doesn't want to join the Navy after school. He wants to just be a bassist and go surfing and chill. Yana's parents are really nice people, and um, they're non-benders and she's a firebender. There you go. That's how you get them. And uh, 
her her grandfather was a firebender, but her parents aren't. They're they're recessive. They don't have bending. Um, you might even be able to, if you really want to get into it, play up the idea that maybe her one of her parents isn't really her parent, and she actually like. Hmm. Okay, playing up the idea of them all being outcasts. What if Yana's dad was a firebender? And he died. And her mom was a non-bender. And then she married another non-bender after he died. So now both of her parents are non-benders. And her dad, her stepdad can't teach her about bending. I think that works really well. Okay, so then all four of them have like a disconnect from their families. And their aunt, the aunt and uncle are really cool and, uh, and accepting and understanding. And that's why they're like, you know what? We're going to take you on a tour. And you guys are going to go on tour. And we're, we're going to set it up. Okay, so where do we start? In a small village in the Fire Nation, four friends uh, start a band. Jan is an earthbender. He plays lead, and he doesn't know who his parents are. His parents died a long time ago, and he has been raised by these firebenders with his brother Seko. Seko was born an airbender, even though his parents are firebenders, because that's just how things go now. The two of them felt very out of sorts learning how to bend at a firebending dojo even though neither of them can firebend and Jan has secretly been able to firebend and he hasn't told anyone that he's actually the avatar and he's been keeping it secret their friends Yana is a firebender and her parents are both benders her dad was a firebender but he died a long time ago and she doesn't relate to her parents and that's why she's very angry all the time Tuck is a waterbending foreign exchange student that they met whose parents are very rich in the southern water tribe and they want him to move back and join the navy after school and he doesn't want to Kimmy and Cho are their um, are Jan and Seko's aunt and uncle who are Kimmy is a non-bender. Cho, I'm not going to say what his bending is until later. I guess fire would make sense. I guess he's a firebender. So Kimmy and Cho are a couple who are aunt and uncles of the two main characters, and they want to explore the world, and they've decided to take the kids, the 20-somethings, along to go on tour, and they've booked all these tour dates for them at different gigs across the Earth Nation, or the Earth Kingdom, the Earth Republic. Uh, in various states and the group will travel the country going from state to state learning about all the things that have changed in the avatar universe since the earth republic has been formed solving problems along the way but to give it more conflict in pursuit of them is i really liked red lotus i really liked white lotus i like the idea of another group the black lotus maybe yeah, you know, fuck it. I like a secret society is after them. The idea that in Last Airbender and in Korra, there's a group of people that protect the Avatar. They're called the White Lotus. And they are a secret society that's supposed to protect the Avatar and the keep balance in the world. And they aren't secret anymore because of the whole Korra time. And they've kind of gone back into the underground kind of. Then the Red Lotus was a splinter group that wanted to kill the Avatar and cause change and chaos. I think the Black Lotus should be about preserving order they are the extreme of the white lotus but not in the way of change and and killing and assassinating they are all about manipulating events so they are in the top levels of society and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find the avatar and imprison them they don't want the avatar changing things they don't want the world to go into chaos again 
They know that the last Avatar changed everything. They brought the spirits back. They fucking blew a, whole, a portal in the, in the city. They caused a dictator to rise. Fucking broke apart the fucking Earth Kingdom and turned it into the Earth Republic. Like, they changed everything. And the people at the top don't like that. So what they want is they want to capture the Avatar and put them away forever. So the idea of like bounty hunters chasing them down and like a secret society chasing them down and them not knowing and him being the only one who knows him and his brother could be pretty cool. So where do we start? In a small village, family is about to go on a big trip. They're about to go on tour. How do we leave? They go on a barge with their tour bus. While on the barge, they're ready to leave. But right before they get on the barge, something happens the day before. Jan gets in a fight with someone because they're not being very nice to someone. Someone is getting attacked by some bullies or whatever. Or some, you know, maybe there's a robbery. Yeah, someone is getting robbed on the street and Jan notices it. And he knows that he can do something about it. So he goes up to try to stop them. And his brother tells him not to and is trying to hold him back. But he goes in anyway. And he earthbends a little bit. And in the moment when they one of the firebenders shoots a fireball at him he blocks it and dissipates it and suddenly everybody there knows he's a firebender too he's the avatar they immediately run off and he saves the friend and brings them with maybe the person they were helping was talk talk works hey come with me we saved you you weren't supposed to bend in public we're not, we're not supposed to do that well what are they gonna do and because of that moment they went and blabbed, and there's a big bounty out for anyone who's heard of the Avatar, had any sightings of the Avatar. And the Black Lotus is now after them. And it is a secret society of various benders from across the world, including bloodbenders, hidden in society, whose goal is to keep the order, keep everything in its place. And the Avatar is going to change that, so their goal is to take this kid down so someone takes a photo of him when he breaks up the fight and um, suddenly they're being chased so we get some of that classic avatar where they're having fun going on adventures training but someone's chasing them there isn't so much world shattering ending stuff in this one it's more about the journey than the actual goal in the end but i think in the later seasons it'll change so where do we go at least in the first season so we start out they're in the Fire Nation, and they have a whole route planned out. So their goal is to go from the Fire Nation all the way to the end of the Earth Kingdom. And then um, at the end of the trip, they're going to go to the Northern Water Tribe. There we go. Because then you get to play with the whole thing that Tok doesn't want to go and join the Navy. But at the end of this trip, that's why he's here. His parents let him go along because when they make it to the Water Tribe, he's going to join the Navy. And he doesn't want to. So that's sort of the direction they're heading but because they get attacked a couple of different times and they're trying to like hide the fact that he's the avatar and hide all the secret shit they're doing behind the scenes behind their aunt and uncle's backs the comic relief of it is that they're they don't know that their aunt and uncle don't know what's going on and they're just kind of shuffling them around as the aunt and uncle are like on like tourist trip shit like they're they're looking at all the exhibits in the museum or um, looking at the sites. And every time they go to see one of these things, you learn more about the lore from that as sort of like an exposition device. But also you learn about like they are being attacked by these bounty hunters and you can get all different kinds of them chasing them. And it can be sort of a monster of the week kind of thing. 
Going back to the classic roots, right? Figuring out what you want to do with Avatar at that point. Less big world-ending stuff and more like low boots-on-the-ground kind of stuff. So, what do they lose? My thought would be, eventually he's going to get captured. And they're not even going to think it's him. They're going to think his brother is the Avatar because his brother bends steam and nobody else does that. Yeah, and they're going to be like, oh, it's an airbender. The cycle must be different than what we thought. And they fucking capture the Avatar and it's the wrong person. And they take his brother away. The person who didn't want to fight at all and didn't want to get involved in any of this. Who got dragged along is now been captured and he has to save his brother. Maybe one of the aunt or the uncle dies if you really want to get super dark. My thought is they all just get captured and they're going to be they're going to be like permanently imprisoned and he has to find his brother and his aunt and uncle are going to get fucking executed because they know the truth. Tak can turn against his parents and turn against the navy man and he's about to leave on the boat and he's like fuck this and he leaves. The drummer girl, I don't think she's going to have a lot of character development in the first season. The idea that Maybe her uncle is Cho also, so like they're cousins. But then you can't do any romance. But you know what? Maybe we shouldn't. You know, fuck it. There is no romance here. The romance is between Tak and um, Jan, and and Tak and uh, the brother. I like that a lot more. You got this androgynous waterbender, and um, they don't want to join the military, even though their parents want them to. And they get saved by Jan and his brother in the beginning of the season. And it's all about whether or not they're going to decide to save them in the end. I think that that'd be cool. Um, this is spicy. This is getting some depth. Okay, so then we go in the final act now of season one, the last episode. What is going to happen? Is the brother going to die? Is the aunt and uncle going to die? Of course not. This is Avatar. He fucking goes in there and he has to like master fucking earthbender and firebender. Fucking break in, take down all these people and save his family. In a hidden safe house owned by the Black Lotus underground, the north of the Earth Kingdom and the Water Tribe, at the port where it leads, they take his brother and hide him under a lighthouse and his aunt and uncle. And he has to then, using his earthbending and firebending abilities, along with his firebender and waterbender friend, has to break in and free his brother. But the waterbender doesn't want to go with them because they have to go and join the military and they just can't do it they have to make their parents happy and they end up turning against them and saying you know what screw it and they come with the help and save in the end of the day so right as he's about to die bam water strike i'm here to save you and they help them get out and they all escape and then the place explodes end of season one season two we do it about how they because of all that chaos they are starting to make way and they've said no to their parents, and now the whole crew is making a detour. Going to the Spirit City, where we learn about the Spirit World and how it has changed in the Avatar universe. And then we can do Season 3 with, like, um, now that they have uh, worldwide fame, now it's like, we're going to do some secrets, fucking sneaking around while being watched kind of stuff. And, like, trying to, like actually take down these people and then the fourth season is like full-on revolution like civil war when a war between all the states breaks out and like civil unrest a big chaotic shit goes down i think that works so there we go that's the basic ideas that i've been working through i think i might come back and do another one of these so it, to explain it all really quickly a group of friends from the fire nation made of the avatar who is an earthbender who didn't know his parents raised by a firebender with his brother who is an airbender that was born into a family of firebenders 
The two of them feel like outcasts, along with their friend Yana, another firebender. The three of them feel like outcasts, and they all play music together. But one day, Yan saves a friend named Tak, an androgynous waterbender who's a bassist who just wants to have some chill vibes and play music. But they're not allowed to because their parents want them to be strict and on the straight and narrow, and they want them to go join the Water Navy when they turn 18. They all form a band together, and while they're doing that, a secret society known as the Black Lotus is taking surveillance photos of them and trying to figure out if one of them is the Avatar. And they misrepresent the Airbender brother as the Avatar because he bends steam and acts much different than a regular airbender would and he learned at a firebending dojo so they just misthink they, they mislabel him as the avatar and they're after him you could even convince the show that maybe he's the avatar you're not really sure so the crew with their aunt and uncle decide to go on a tour across the earth republic states while on tour they are attacked by bounty hunters and secret spies that are all trying to take them down and uncover the truth about them as their aunt and uncle obliviously travel from one sightseeing mission and museum meeting to another while they play rock shows at the end of each town and you do slightly small arcs that are two or three episodes in each town ending with them doing a show and then leaving at the end they finally make it to the port city in the north of the republic and they're about to head to the water tribe and one of them gets kidnapped along with the aunt and uncle the waterbender has to decide do they go with their friends or do they go and do what their parents wanted them to do and they say no and they help them fight and they fight against the black lotus yan embraces being the avatar showing that they do have control of all the elements blocking each of the elements thrown at them by this base they free their brother who finally opens up and yana's there <laughs> So the group, in the end, becomes super famous because the Avatar is revealed to the world. In order to save their brother, they have to reveal that they are the Avatar. And that's the basic story I've come up with. I think it works. I'm definitely going to think about it in the next few days, write it down, and turn it into an actual video on my YouTube channel with the real pitch, with like the actual scenes written out. Yeah, I think that was pretty good. I like how that turned out. So, um, yeah, I hope you liked it. I hope this wasn't a waste of time. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.